All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another edition of The Less Stressed Life, where we teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about adrenal fatigue. And I'm really excited for our next guest because we're going to get into impaired fertility and the root causes. And we're interviewing Jacqueline Downs, who's received her Bachelor of Science degree in psychology from Drexel University and later studied holistic nutrition in a graduate school for two years and also became a certified health coach. But her passion drove her much deeper into the world of how nutrients affect your biochemistry and how that affects all aspects of life, including how you think, how you feel and how you move. So Jacqueline, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk because this is a really important conversation in terms of bringing a healthy fetus to full term and not like only just avoiding the the pitfalls and the challenges that women have to avoid miscarriages and to not be able to conceive. But as you mentioned, be able to have the best potential for that baby going forward. So before we get into that, I always like to ask our guests a little bit of your background and personally why if you had any health challenges or specifically if you got into why you got into the specific area that you did okay um i would consider myself a second generation nutritionist Uh, my dad is a nutritional biochemist and um i was aware of nutrition outside the usda box ever since i was little when um my dad had said that um you know, milk's not good for you. This was back during the four food groups. And I was in like third grade and I was like, my dad says milk's not good for you. And you're, you know, my third grade teacher was like, Oh, your dad's wrong. (laughs) And, um, and then just about like before the Atkins diet, you know, all of the, Oh, you need carbs. You need carbs. You need carbs. And my dad was like, no, that's not necessarily true. And also the good fats, bad fats when fat was vilified in the nineties. So I always had this sense of nutrition and, uh, you know, true nutrition rather than just, um, uh, nutrition that was sponsored. And, um, I, so I've just always been interested in nutrition, but, um, they didn't back in the nineties really have a school in my state that I was pleased with the nutrition program. And so, um, I graduated with a psychology degree and, um, I, a year or two later found, um, birthing being, I became a doula. I just became really, really passionate about helping women, um, during their, their birthing journey. And then I worked with a midwife and it opened my eyes to infertility and how, how common impaired fertility was. Um, I, you know, it wasn't anything that I'd encountered really, because at that time in my young twenties, my friends weren't really having babies yet and definitely weren't experiencing infertility that I was aware of. Um, so through working with this midwife and, and doing birth work, um, my former career was as a birth worker. And then, um, I was always interested in nutrition. So I had done graduate school in nutrition and got a certification as a health coach. And, um, I, got a job being Bob Miller's research assistant about, I don't know, nine years ago or so back when it was just MTHFR and I was hired to just research MTHFR and um, everything just kind of built from there. MTHFR went to the CBS, went to the COMT and then just whole pathways. And 
And it really made sense to me that women that were having problems with fertility, it was, it wasn't just that your hormones were out of balance. It's why are your hormones out of balance and what nutrients or what toxins could be inhibiting these pathways and causing your body to switch off that, that mating ability switch. Yeah, no, lots of good points that you have there. And ultimately the root causes of impaired infertility is the, is the title of your upcoming book. And I, and I want to dive into that as well. Uh, but one of the, one of the things that you, you just touched upon a couple of things, actually, which we could take a deeper dive is sort of the sponsored, the sponsored approach to nutrition. And interesting that you had, you, you weren't, you weren't into the school or the different schools or the education curriculums that were provided because of some major challenges. And I always find it amazing to, to, to understand that the traditional allopathic approach dedicates so little time in their curriculum for nutrition. And then on top of that, when you do go through a, a sponsored nutrition, nutritional program, it, it's very biased. I mean, Maybe I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but maybe given your experience, kind of give us sort of, I don't even know if there's a 30 second commercial, but how would you be able to sum that up in terms of, is that real? Is it true? What is it? Why is it? I mean, the best succinct way that you could, I don't know if that's a tough question for you. Well, I knew that if I would become a registered dietitian, that would have opened a lot more doors for me. Um, but I just really didn't want to get that education because I knew that the, at the time it was called the American Dietetics Association was sponsored by M&M Mars, Sarah Lee, Cargill, Pepsi. And I just know that that they're, they don't have actual health promotion in their best interest. So, um, that, yeah, macronutrient counting your macronutrients, um, is, you know, valid for, you know, certain things, but I don't think that that is what brings true wellness and vitality. Yeah. I mean, I think you could sum it up with saying it was sponsored by M&Ms and that pretty much sums it all up. But at the same yeah. time, it's not just about the cal counting calories and the calories in calories out. It's but the food pyramid and the food groups and all of the above. I just remember the best way for me to think about it is my dad was going through, uh, dialysis and he was in a rehab center and they were putting margarine on his bread. And I'm like, okay, that's probably the best way to explain why I didn't go down the RDA train pathway. But anyways, it's, that's kind of a sad commentary on, yeah. on the state of where we are, we're at. I don't want to go down there any further as far as the book. So it's really interesting. I, I appreciate being able to review it before we got on the call today. And Ultimately, you, you, you talk about first the difference between uh, impaired fertility, the term impaired fertility and infertility. So maybe kind of go, let's start with that. Okay. Um, I feel like infertility just feels like a, a dead end diagnosis where like, especially if it's unexplained, like, oh, you know, I had my hormones checked and I had, you know, all the internal organs and glands checked and everything's fine. So it's just, you know, unexplained infertility. And it just seems like that's it. But impaired fertility, um, I feel has a, um, it, it, it brings with it a sense of it being a temporary state that, that can be worked out of. 
and and so I feel that it, it gives the connotation of hope um, because our bodies were designed to heal and our bodies were designed to procreate. And so if we can figure out what is going on, what we're either putting in our body or our body is, is exposed to, or what our body needs that it isn't getting, then the body will have the tools to procreate and heal itself. And so I, I don't feel that uh, infertility is a dead end diagnosis. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea of health is always a verb. It's, it's not a, a once a, a noun in terms of a lot of the times too, with the people that I get on the, the Facebook with, or do different types of content. And they're always DMing me like, how do I cure this? Or what's the main thing I need to fix this? And it kind of puts a little bit of shivers down my back in terms of, you know, on the flip side too, it's just, you don't just fix it either. And you just don't diagnose it as a dead end uh, diagnosis as well. So I, I love that you did that. And you also mentioned that imbalances in hormones isn't solely due to the endocrine system. So maybe we can explore that a little bit. Absolutely. So the hormones, you know, they are uh, supposed to be produced and, and cleared and metabolized in a certain way. And so if there are imbalances, there is something causing the hormones to be out of balance. And um, oxidative stress plays a huge factor in that. And, and my, I think my mission after writing the book, like even before, but like it just became really clear that the world just needs to know what the term oxidative stress is. Um, Cause a lot of people just think stress is work stress, family stress, schedule stress. Uh, maybe they might know about physical stress if they are, you know, uh, you hear about the athletes that just overtrain and then the women lose their periods and stuff like that. But really, um, especially with this modern world today with the environmental stressors, um, all of these things, the physical stress, the emotional stress, the environmental stress, um, all of those impact our cells and our cellular health. And the first thing to go is the reproductive cells because reproduction is not necessary to stay alive for your personal body to stay alive. Yes, for our, our race, but, um, or the human race. Um, so the body, I say, robs Peter to pay Paul because it's saying, well, obviously now's not a good time to make a baby because we're under all this stress. So let's just steal from what we need from the processes that create the hormones to deal with the stressor. Yeah. And I, I explain that a lot too, because it can get super complicated and I have to give you like two thumbs up because going through the outline of the book. And then as soon as you get into some of the more difficult concepts of oxidation and, and what happens with that and how we brought Peter to pay Paul and all of the dominoes that get impacted by that is a daunting task for sure. And, but what, what, one of the things that I like to say to people to keep it simple, and it kind of resonates after the cell danger responses is just at the 30,000 view foot, if your supply and demand is not equal, you have to make some important decisions, right? I mean, if you're making less money than you're spending, or you have way more expenses in your life than income, then you, that's going to crash and burn pretty quick. 
And you're going to find out the hard way, you know, what the implications of not being able to afford those additional luxuries. And, and that means you make some pretty important decisions. And really, it's the fundamental decisions or the things that literally and metaphorically keep the lights on, right? You keep the lights on, you make sure you put food on, food on the table. And that happens at the cellular level in our bodies. And it would make sense that, well, reproduction is not at the top. That's like, I don't need to go on a vacation to the Riviera when I can't keep the lights on. That's kind of the right. analogy, right? So, yes. yeah. So, so with that being said, so oxidative stress obviously is the, the hallmark of of what we what you teach in, in the book, but you write you get right into functional fertility. So why don't you let the listeners know what the functional fertility means? So functional medicine and functional nutrition is definitely um, receiving a rise in, in awareness. Um, and that is getting to the root cause of an, an issue or a health complaint, rather than just recommending uh, a drug or a supplement for um, a condition, let's find out why your body is presenting that condition in the first place. So using functional lab testing and genetics, as well as a very, very detailed intake and health history, we can really get an idea of of the causes of the imbalance. And then we can do some, some targeted functional testing to identify um, exactly what's going on with the biochemistry in the body. And, and so functional fertility is a term, I didn't coin it, but it just totally encompasses everything that I talk about. Um, So rather than just measuring hormone levels on a certain day of the month, and then giving appropriate drugs to make those hormones stay within an optimal range, let's get to the root of why the hormones are out of balance in the first place. And then everything that, that involves fertility rather than just hormones, um, is, is also thrown into that whole functional topic. Yeah. And people are looking for that. I mean, they, they do use the term like root cause. Like, I don't feel like I'm getting to the root cause. I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I'm, but I do feel unfortunately, through conditioning allopathically, that that root cause in in a lot of their minds is one thing, like when I find that root cause, Mm -hmm. and and really, we're talking about root causes, which I think is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And, um, but what I what I really like about what you have is, uh, in one of your your second chapter is in the importance of the saliva test or the DNA test or the functional genomic n- nutrition test. So what again, why don't you kind of segue into, okay, well, it's important from a functional standpoint to put together the perfect storm of what are the things that stress this person? environmentally, we call that epigenetically, of which oxidative stress is not is is a major part of the stress response. And then on the other side, the genetic susceptibilities that may potentially express or create the weak links in the chain and break and thereby express itself in terms of, for you, it may be migraine headaches and joint pain. For me, it might be GI disturbances or for someone else, it it could be infertility or, or all of the above. 
So, so why don't you explain first what functional genomic nutrition is? And then what I really love about what you wrote down is something called the gateway gene. So maybe talk about that at first, because that's a big, those are two big concepts. Okay. Yeah. I'd thought about titling. I gave a a talk at my local hospital for the nursing grand rounds called MTHFR is a gateway gene. And I I thought about titling my book that uh, because so many people, uh, first off, they say, well, MTHFR is usually the first gene that somebody becomes aware of. And then from there, they learn about other genes, but they, they say, oh, I can't detox because I have MTHFR or I have miscarriages because I have MTHFR and, and my doctor tested me for that gene and, and I have it. And that's the cause of all my problems. That is a lot of weight, a tremendous amount of weight to put on one gene. And I'm not discounting the importance of it. It's just, there's so many other factors that come into play. And so just because you have a genetic polymorphism or a, a variant or a mutation is, is technically an improper term, but people, people refer to it as a mutation, um, doesn't mean that it's doomed to express. And like you had said, it's, it's the environmental factors that signal to whether that gene should turn off or turn on. And so uh, knowing your genetics, not just MTHFR, can give you an idea of where your genetic weaknesses might be in things like um, utilizing your fats, which fats are needed to make hormones, um, or detoxification ability. So it, it goes so much further beyond just MTHFR. Yeah, and, and I get that a lot too. And on the flip side, just because you don't have MTHFR doesn't mean you don't have a problem either. Absolutely. And that really was a, a lot of ahas for when I tell people they have an, um, an HPA axis dysfunction, but above that, they have overactivation of their mast cells. And above that, they have overstimulation of this enzyme here, which above that steals away your NADPH, which above that, you know, and that not having that NADPH is like the cofactor for the, the highways, like you're going on a toll. And even if the lanes are perfect, it, meaning you don't have a, a, a heterozygous SNP or homozygous SNP, you can't get on the highway. So it's really important in terms of just because you don't, and I get that a lot too. So the MTHFR and I don't have it, or I do have it and I'm doomed and so forth and so on. So one of the very first things though you talk about is the difference between a nourishing diet and a healthy diet. So what, what is the difference, Jacqueline? Well, a lot of my clients, I would say a majority, if not all my clients come to me and say, well, I ate a pretty healthy diet, but I still have X symptoms or X problem and healthy can mean, you know, everybody's different. Uh, it's a gray scale, right? Um, but that, that could mean they're eating low fat, or that could mean they're doing um, the Splenda instead of sugar, that kind of stuff. So they could think that they're eating, eating healthy, but really like what is actually nourishing your body. And this isn't necessarily just from a food and nutrition standpoint, you need the emotional nourishment as well, but um, what is nourishing your body? Are you getting all the nutrients that you need to get for your, your genes to function? Because your genes um, make enzymes and those enzymes require nutritional cofactors in order to work. So if you are not either able to absorb them because you have gut issues, or you're not getting them from the diet or you're not getting enough, 
then you're definitely not going to have enough to pass on to a baby. As, as I say in my book, you can't pour from an empty cup. So definitely making sure that you are nourishing your body with the proper nutrients and nutritional cofactors and other things rather than just eating a healthy diet. Yeah, for sure. And I like you, you showed in, in the, the book, the um, Bob's pyramid and, and you show that the, the things on the bottom are on the pyramid can create oxidative stress and inflammation. Mm -hmm. And the second row above that are the antioxidants, which we'll get into in a second. But at the very top is that gateway gene MTHFR. And again, I explain that pyramid when I show people, think of the bottom as your expenses and think of the top as your, as your income. And as a reason, and especially as it relates to being, being able to gestate and create a, a baby in the belly, if you don't have a, a surplus, then you're going to have some major challenges and being able to cut the expenses goes a lot further than giving yourself a little extra income with a little bit of extra folate, because that's Ultimately, I always feel that's a tell, right? I mean, if you have someone who's a, an MD or it just doesn't understand the world that we understand is they say, okay, I, I mean, how many times did you get this where someone says, yeah, well, I was taking uh, methylfolate. I thought I fixed the problem, right? And there, it goes so deep, so much deeper than that. So one of the very major overhead expenses that I really was excited to talk to you about was the, the iron dysregulation. So how does iron dysregulation, because most women I would imagine would say, oh, I'm iron deficient. And that's, mm -hmm. that's all they thought it was. And then they just yelled at that deaf person louder by taking more iron and yep. it didn't fix the problem. So kind of give us a, a, an insight into, Hey, if you have had challenges with fertility or miscarriages or so forth, and there's an iron connection and you were told that you were deficient pump the brakes for a second. Cause there might be more going on. What, what else, what is going on there? Okay. What should they be looking at? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't make videos or blog too often, but I definitely made a video about that. Um, first of all, I love your analogies. They're great. And I want to piggyback on your analogy with Bob's Bob Miller, our colleague. Um, right. He says, when your building is on fire with inflammation, you want to call in the fire department not the construction crew. And folate is a rebuilding, repairing, regenerating nutrient, which is why you need it to grow a baby. And so you don't just wanna start adding in the folate if you have all of these other things like iron dysregulation burning down your house. And plus you need to make sure that you can use the folate, which again, you, you said NADPH, and yes, you need NADPH to be able to use your folate. So in regards to iron dysregulation, unless you have been vegan for some time, um, and you, and you don't eat meat, um, iron is the richest, most abundant mineral. And, and it's also fortified in all of our foods. And so if you are a regular meat eater, especially red meat, and you are diagnosed as anemic and, and having iron deficiency anemia, it's likely not an acquisition issue. It's more of a utilization issue. So you're getting the iron, but your body is not using it properly and it's getting stored in the wrong places and it's not going to show up in your blood 
um, and get to where it needs to go. And the stored iron can cause um, a lot of problems in whichever organ it may get stored in. It has an affinity for the heart, the pancreas, and um, the brain especially. Yeah, I, I'm amazed that it's actually not taught in traditional allopathic medicine. I mean, that to me seems like, okay, we still listen to eight track tapes. And there's this new thing called satellite radio that kind of, you know, comes through the sky, we don't have to have the outdated technology. And that seems to me the the best analogy for that, because I, I explained that 90% of someone's iron is recycled, 10% of it is from their diet. And it has to get chaperoned from the GI tract to the to the different tissues, into the tissues, out of the tissues, recycled. And the the irony is, you can have a, a deficient and an excessive pre- presentation in the same person, mm-hmm. and and the way that they're looked at is that it's deficient, and we got to yell at that deaf person louder, and only to create more gas on the fire, so to speak. So. As far as do you find, I'm just curious anecdotally, when you're working with women that have impaired fertility, that that's one of the big things that's that's going on with them. Is that how much of a percentage would you say that's with some of the women that are or the women that aren't able to conceive or have a baby to full term? I would say more than half for sure have at some point been told that they were anemic and were um way more than half actually. And we're told to take an iron supplement or, or, you know, got even got infusions. Um, and so one way that we can see what is going on is through doing a, a full iron panel, including your, your ferritin rather than just measuring your serum iron. And also the same goes with copper, which you need proper copper utilization, binding and utilization in order for your iron to stand a chance but including uh, copper in, in that blood panel so we can see if that's being properly used. And then pairing that with the genetics too, because um, we can maybe see if somebody has a high degree of a variance in iron or copper related pathways, then that would definitely make us wanna do further testing with the blood and see what's going on. And then we can figure out where the wrench in that system is and help right. to correct it. Yeah. It's amazing. It goes wrong for so many reasons because that functional range for ferritin is so vast yes. for men and for women. And the other thing too, which I've kind of picked up recently is ferritin is the storage house for iron. And just because you don't have high ferritin doesn't mean you don't have iron that needs to be stored. And I think that's a big problem with traditional medicine is it's like, okay, it's just a one, it's, it's a, a only thought of as correlated as high ferret, high, high storage, high iron, but it, you could have low storage and high iron because of these genetic polymorphisms, hence the reason for you to do the functional genomic assessment. So the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, which I think is key, especially for exhausted, burnt out people and their hormones is how they utilize fat. So that could be a really big rabbit hole. So why don't we kind of just start on that? So, so a pregnant uh, or or a woman, a, a lady who isn't able to conceive or take a baby to full term, and they, they have to understand that there's a problem, again, dysregulated fat utilization. It's not just a, it's high 
and then never being told it's low. I mean, God forbid you tell someone they have really low, you know, such a thing as low cholesterol. But why don't you tell us a little bit about how that plays into the impaired fertility, Jacqueline? For sure. So we need fats for our own body and brain. Um, and then especially in that first trimester, growing the baby's central nervous system that requires a, a lot of fats. And if so cholesterol, uh, there's always, um, I, there's a Google image that I really like that I show almost all my clients and it shows cholesterol at the top of the pathway and how it, it makes all of your estrogen, testosterone, cortisol, progesterone, um, the, the downstream cascade of that. And so if you are not getting the cholesterol or you are not able to properly utilize the fats, which you really, really need B2, you need B5, pantothene is a crucial um, step uh, in making that conversion. So, or there's, there's certain genes involved as well, but if you are not able to properly use your fats, then you're not going to turn them into your sex hormones or your stress hormones. So that's just the, the bottom line. Yeah. And, and then how would it contribute to the oxidative stress though? So improperly used fats cause something called lipid peroxidation and that creates oxidative stress and damages the cell. So it damages the structure of the cell, but it also damages the information within the cell and the mitochondria. And the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And it, to our knowledge, it is only the mother that passes on the mitochondrial DNA to her baby. And so if her body is already struggling with not having healthy functioning mitochondria, possibly in part due to not properly using your fats, then you're not going to have the raw materials to pass on to a baby or to even make a baby. Right. Right. So that fat is a big, as a big, um, whole, I guess there's a whole, um, culture, if you will, of being able to utilize it, break it down and uh, absorb it and and be able to not oxidize it and, and use it effectively i always say it's like you're making you're cutting the logs but you're not putting the wood on the fire mm, and as a result it's like it's almost like you, you working for me and at the end of the week instead of me paying you for 40 hours i then say to you okay jacqueline you owe me for 40 hours of work it's not only not giving you the income it's expending on you as well yes. so as far as that that's the the thing i would ask you is is that Okay, so you get into antioxidants and how important, why don't we just give people a whole lot of antioxidants and call it a day? Why, why doesn't it work that way? Uh, first off, we need a balance. There's that Goldilocks zone that we talk about in functional medicine. And I definitely recommend, uh, I mentioned it a few times in my book. So um, antioxidants, our body makes antioxidants, but we also need to get them through the diet because they, they fight off pathogens. And so if we didn't have the ability to make antioxidants or we weren't getting enough in the diet, then the pathogens would proliferate, but we also don't, so we don't want, I mean, if we, if we don't have enough or if we have too much, then um, it's not going to be doing its job is what I meant to say. And so also we want to be able to use the antioxidants properly as well. Cause a lot of doctors are recommending glutathione for a lot of people and their body isn't able to recycle it. And that causes more oxidative stress for people. So 
um, it's it's definitely um, peeling away the layers of the onion and doing functional lab testing so we can see um, what is the right intervention or support for that particular individual. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I, I, you just can't, there is a Goldilocks zone and we need the free radicals to signal our immune system and fight off pathogens, but at the same time, we want to have not too much of that because then we can start having the military turn against our own citizens. Exactly. But then if you give too much antioxidants, then that will create paradoxically more inflammation and more depletion of your antioxidants. And that's where it becomes really, really difficult. That's where you really need someone like yourself to review the, the genetics so that you can put a wrench, I guess, in the, those mechanics and be able to slow, slow that down. So the other thing I really like about what you wrote down or what you have in your, in your book is basically that I guess the, the old age theory of health is simple, even though this is very complicated, you want to have more stuff of the things you need and less stuff of the things that you don't need mm -hmm. and create that balance. So what are, in terms of the toxins, kind of give us a little idea, because I'm sure everyone who's listening who has challenged with impaired fertility is like, yes, I know I'm toxic. I just need to detoxify. So you, you, it's not even until the end of, of the book, basically, because all that other foundational stuff needs to be done first. Mm -hmm. So when's there a time and place for the detoxification? So there are a lot of people that just say, oh, I need a detox and they'll go and they'll buy a liver detox kit or whatever. But if you're not pooping every day and your channels of elimination are not open, your liver is going to start releasing these toxins and they're not going to have anywhere to go and they will just get recirculated back through. And so uh, you definitely, if you, there's a time and a place for detoxification and you need to make sure that first off that you're eliminating, but that your body has the resources to be able to withstand the, the stress that a detoxification or a cleanse um, puts on your body. And uh, something else I was going to say, but those are the, the two main things you want to make sure that your body is able to withstand it and actually get rid of the toxins. Right, right, for sure. And again, I, I bring that back to the, the fact that if your surplus is not there, and your income is less than your expenses, then you don't have the currency to afford the detoxing at this point yet. So you want to make sure you have that that surplus. Um, and then and then you also get into blood sugar. So I mean, that seems obvious for some people, but what's sort of the message that you have in, in supporting fertility and blood sugar? What, what's your words of recommendation on that? I feel that blood sugar is something that a lot of people can have or gain more control over to help lighten the load on their HPA access. Because when you have sugar levels that are too high and then consequently too low, um, the, it, that calls on, on cortisol uh, because a, a surge of insulin can cause the uh, call on cortisol and then having blood sugar that's too low elicits a cortisol response uh, because evolutionarily our body kind of clicks into that, oh no, where are we going to get energy? And so it causes a stress. So the less the less we can call upon cortisol, the more 
resources we will have for making the sex hormones because we don't have to constantly be calling upon the stress hormones. Right. Absolutely. And then also too, and that's the other thing I, I really explain to my audience is I know you're not in front of the, the refrigerator and, you know, eating cupcakes and bonbons. It's not just about your sweet tooth. It's the fact that all the things that you've described in, in terms of stress and all of the things that are going on in your body is creating that oxidative stress, which drives up a lot of the growth factors. Actually, that's what the question I would have is Bob talks a lot about the imbalance of growth factors and the inability to get into recycling and, and breaking down and clearing out. And that we call that the balance between mTOR and autophagy, where mTOR is the growth of the crops, if you will. And then the autophagy is the plowing of the fields and allowing those, those plants that didn't get utilized to kind of go into the soils and be recycled again. Mm -hmm. Given that growth and pregnancy is a uh, mTOR-like process, and the environmental factors are so swayed in today's day and age to be turning on mTOR every single day and not getting into autophagy, you would think that there would be less challenges with pregnancy, right? Because of the growth factor. So I, I don't mean to throw you a curveball, but I'm kind of curious as to what would your hunch or your your feeling be as to why that is that it's still problematic or even more so than any day and age to, to have a baby and bring it to full term, given that autophagy is not the biggest challenge that mTOR is the biggest challenge and so forth. So it's, there's a time and a place for it. Uh, we, we, I, I say that, you know, the, the folate and the iron, the things that you need during pregnancy to grow a baby are mTOR stimulating substances, but we need to also have the time for the cell to clean up and get rid of the, the debris. And so if the cell is just sluggish and, and laden with all of this debris, it's not going to be able or know or signal to the body that it's a good time to make a baby. So we need to make sure that we are promoting autophagy um, before we support the growth of the baby, we have to make sure that the cell is healthy enough to be able to support the growth of a baby. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. And I think that segues into your book isn't just for bringing a baby to full term, but we also talked about the fact that now you maximize the potential of that unborn baby. Why would it maximize the potential? Because doing even all the things, yeah. Even if you don't have any problems getting pregnant or staying pregnant, um, there's still so many children in this in this modern world that that have learning disorders and and uh, cognitive issues and um, allergies of all different sorts. So there's immune system dysregulation right off the bat. And so by addressing these things, each chapter is is a different uh, point uh, or a rock to look under. Um, you can get your body to a better state to be um, a cleaner house in which to grow a baby and a more nourishing house in which to grow a baby because these toxins, first off, they can impair your fertility, but if, if you are lucky enough to not have that issue, they can and do pass on to the baby through the placenta and also through the breast milk. And so you want to 
ideally, I would recommend my book for anybody that might even consider having a child at some point, even 20 or 30 years from now, if you're, if you're pretty young. And so the longer of a head start you give yourself, the, the better your channels of elimination will be, the, the less burdened your liver will be, the healthier your hormones will be, and the less toxins that you will pass on to your baby. And therefore those, those toxins can inhibit, um, uh, cognitive growth and, and um, nervous system functioning. No, awesome answer. Do you have a, an idea whether or not the traditional allopathic school of medicine would embrace the concepts that you write about? Or do you feel like it would still be like 20 years down the line? And even if then they would like, what's your thought on that? Uh, certain people are so dialed into the way that they do things and just measuring hormones and prescribing hormones. So they may, they may or may not be receptive. I really think it goes on an individual basis, but I would really hope that the insurance companies would, would be the first to hop on board. Um, back when I was doing doula work, um, and this was in the early two thousands before people even knew what a doula was. Um, they would say, oh, do you, do you take insurance? And I said, not at this point, but if you call and ask your insurance company and they, they see that more people are using doulas and they have shorter hospital stays and less interventions, then therefore their hospital bill is lower. Maybe the insurance company will start covering it. And I really hope that they start doing that for functional medicine or even a functional fertility approach, because I know a lot of businesses are now, or companies are, are, um, part of their insurance packages or employee packages are support with IVF or any kind of assisted reproductive technology. And they could save so much money on those procedures that are also very invasive um, by practicing from a functional fertility approach. Yeah, that's a big one for sure. And I've had a couple of podcasts about that, Jacqueline, in terms of toppling sort of the the, the big insurance companies or at least allowing them to come to their own conclusions that, you know, a, a, a penny earned or a penny saved is, you know, more than a dollar earned. And, and I really feel, especially in this area of healthcare, where it's super expensive for insurance companies to go down those routes. And the reasons, the reasons that women aren't having successful births is because of everything that you teach in, in the book. So all the more reason why to get on board, save money and get out of, you know, it's a win, 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 but you know, common sense is, is not so common, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, so as far as, was there any particular chapter or any labor of love that was more so for you than any other chapter with, with the book? Since learning about oxalates a few years ago, uh, and especially the fact that they are some markers we are able to measure on a urine organic acids test. Far more people than I ever would have imagined have issues with oxalates. And especially because so many women are, are struggling with endometriosis and there's an association there. Um, but the oxalates, having an issue with oxalates uh, can absolutely throw off your hormonal balance, but it also is, is these jagged little crystals, uh, irritating your, your linings of your, your glands and your tissues and your bones and muscles. And, and so they, they also create inflammation. So I think, um, oxalates for sure. 
Yeah, you could call it like the gateway finding almost, because if there's oxalates, you have to think mold, you have to think leaky gut, you have to think fat absorption and utilization, mitochondrial dysfunction. There's so, I mean, if you have oxalates, you have now a whole big rabbit hole to go down to figure out why. But yeah, that's a big one for my radar as well. So awesome. So as far as I always like to ask my client, the, the guests that we have on the show, Jacqueline, if you were to know what you know now and were able to kind of give these words of advice to the younger, I always say bright-eyed and bushy-tailed Jacqueline, that would have accelerated your health or your less stress or just your thriving in life earlier, what would those words of wisdom be? Mm, that's a really good question. Uh, well, as far as from a fertility perspective, I would say if you think you're ever going to have a baby to start thinking about what's good for that baby now, even if you don't plan on getting pregnant for 10 to 20 years, uh, because everything that you do now impacts the health of your child or the ability to get and stay pregnant years down the road. Yeah, it's hard, though. I don't know if a 15 year old is thinking necessarily about her body at that point. But um, I would it's hope, true. you know, 20, yeah. what's that? It's true. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. But but, maybe I mean, 20, in, yeah. in other, you know, ancient traditions, like they did eat, you know, a fertility diet once they started, um, once they hit a certain age, or they were going to be getting married, they, they, they thought ahead about that stuff. So I, I think if we can just maybe start to shift the, the mindset or the paradigm a little bit, possibly that would be ideal. No, it's good. I mean, you know, I always love that. And I'm glad that you're, you're bringing this book out into awareness because just as daunting as the environment is. And I, you know, I had a couple of interviews with Bob and, and by the time he's finished his, and what were we thinking, smearing this on and putting this in there. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm almost stressed out by the time he finishes, like what we've done to our environment. But at the same time, we have so as bad as it is bad, it's good as it is good in terms of our knowledge, our awareness, our proactivity. And it's not that the sky is falling per se. We have the ability, hopefully, to continue to turn things around with the information we have. So as far as where do we, uh, I know you talked about this before we got on the call. Um, there, I don't think there's an actual publishing date yet determine when will they be able to how would the listener be able to get their hands on this and i and and where will they go there will be as soon as i know there will be information on my website jacklindowns.com that's j-a-c-l-y-n-d-o-w-n-s um and i will also be sure to have it uh get posted on your Facebook page as well. Yeah, I'll post it on, on my, I do show notes and my website and my, all my social media stuff. So I'll do that. So people will have the ability to, to look at that information. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate your, you being here and, and the, what you give back to the world and being able to um, help women conceive healthy, happy babies. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. And I love the, the messages that you are spreading with all of your guests as well. well. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into today's show. 
If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.